Welcome to Weight Loss for Dentists. I'm Dr. Natanya Brown, a board-certified endodontist and certified life and weight coach. I'm on a mission to help dentists live at their goal weight without relying on deprivation or willpower or even intense workouts. If you want to start making more mindful choices so that you can lose weight permanently and have fun in the process, you're in the right place. Hello, hello. Welcome back. In this episode, we're going to talk about one of my absolutely favorite topics, which is how to burn fat. When it comes to weight loss, ultimately, we're saying to ourselves that we want to get rid of extra fat on our body. And so how do we do this? And what can we start doing today about it? That's exactly what we're going to talk about. So how do we tap into the fat on our body so that we can use it as fuel? To answer this, we really need to remember how we lay down fat in the first place. So let's just review what happens when we eat a a meal. We'll do a quick little refresher from from material that we all learned in dental school. Now, you, you might remember, after a meal, our blood glucose is going to go up. And basically, any glucose that isn't immediately used from our meal as energy right then and there is going to be stored as fat. And the hormone responsible for this is insulin. So after a meal, your level of insulin is going to go up, which is totally normal. And the amount that it will go up will be in response to the type of food that you're choosing to eat. Okay, so this is the order of glucose or sugar in the type of food that we're eating. Okay. So at its most basic level, fat, including butter and oils, basically this contains zero sugar, and this will really yield a minimal, if any response in terms of your blood sugar level and in turn the insulin response. Then we've got proteins like thinking, you know, meat and eggs, et cetera. Then there's vegetables. Certainly the least starchy vegetables will have the lowest amount of um, glycemic response. We've got grains, rice, corn, wheat, other types of grains, of course. We have fruit. And then we have those foods that are processed and potentially with added sugar. You know, think about like the caramel macchiato from Starbucks, for example. This will have the highest glycemic response. So that means the highest yield of insulin, so to speak, after a response of an increase in blood sugar. So of course, the insulin is going to go up as a natural response and any extra energy that isn't going to be stored or excuse me, isn't going to be used right away is going to be stored as fat. And so then, of course, eventually after a period of time in between meals, after it's been, you know, a, a certain amount of time, the insulin is going to gradually go back down. Then you start digesting the meal and then eventually you'll start feeling hungry because your blood sugar, blood sugar drops and that's normal. You'll start to feel hungry again, but you might be wondering if you're hungry frequently throughout a given day and you have extra weight on your body that you want to lose, you might be actually wondering why your body isn't just accessing the fat on your body as fuel. 
you know, like for example, going to your stomach or your thighs and just using some of that fat as fuel, right? So what happens is that your blood glucose level can drop to the point where you're feeling hungry, but your insulin might actually still be high from processing the last meal. And this effectively blocks your body's ability to access fat on your body as fuel, despite you feeling hungry in that moment and essentially feeling naturally inclined to eat as a response of being hungry. And so what this creates is essentially this vicious cycle of eating, storing fat, eating more, storing more fat. And that is clearly not the cycle that we want to be in if we want to be losing weight. So it's really helpful to understand and to become aware of the fact that our bodies basically operate in one of two modes. Either we are burning sugar and glucose or we're burning fat. Now, of course, our bodies can burn either, but I'm talking in terms of the primary source of energy. And so to lose weight, clearly we want to start shifting from burning sugar to burning more fat, the fat on our body, as opposed to storing fat. To do this, we essentially need to give our bodies opportunities to burn fat and incentivize our bodies to burn fat instead of anticipating and expecting that more food is just going to be showing up frequently. So many of us are eating frequently throughout the day and effectively not giving our bodies much incentive at all to burn the fat on our bodies. In the last episode, we talked about hunger. And I taught you that really not all hunger is the same. There's the first little whispers and suggestions of hunger. This will feel very mild. And then, of course, there's more moderate or severe hunger. And if you generally eat at the very first and mildest suggestion of hunger, then basically your body is getting used to really not needing to burn fat on your body as fuel. What if we could actually train our bodies to use the fat on our bodies for fuel? What if that were actually possible? And I'm here to tell you that that is totally possible. Now, one of my mentors, Brooke Castillo from the Life Coach School, talks about this in such a fun way. She actually refers to this process as training your body to dine in. And I absolutely love it because basically what you're telling your body is that instead of eating out, i.e. instead of expecting that you will eat food at the slightest whisper of hunger, instead what you're telling and training your body is, you know, go to my belly or go to my thigh and burn fat first. Wouldn't that be great? What if you could actually train your body to dine in? And this is essentially what it means to become fat adapted or to be a fat burner. That's just another way to call it. And so you can actually prime your body to burn fat. That is what we want when we want to lose weight. So to do this, we need to get our insulin down. We need to allow the insulin to come down between meals so that we can access the fat on our body as fuel. 
Another term for allowing the insulin to come down and to burn fat is to, is to be called insulin sensitive. This is when the fat can actually be released or burned. When your insulin is high, you cannot really burn fat. Now, here's another interesting factor is that leptin is the hormone in your body that tells your brain when you're full. But get this, when insulin is high, it actually blocks the signal of leptin at the level of the brain. So what that means is that even if you are physically full, when your insulin is high, you might not even have the appropriate feedback in your brain telling you to stop eating. So you guessed it, you'll continue eating to the point that you'll overeat. And so now this is a double whammy because not only are you not able to burn fat when your insulin is high, but you're also more prone to overeating. And that's truly a recipe for doing the opposite of burning fat. You're just going to be laying down more fat. You're not going to be feeling full. You'll constantly feel like you need to be eating. So instead, when we lower our insulin, leptin can actually tell your brain that you're full at the appropriate time. And that's exactly what we want. Some of us are eating a lot of processed foods and added sugar throughout the day, and we might feel hungry pretty frequently throughout the day. Maybe at best a couple hours are going by between meal times. I'm hesitant to call it a meal time. Maybe it's better referred to as a snack, right? Because you're feeling a constant pang of hunger. And this is a state that I'm going to refer to as being a sugar burner. If you're constantly feeling the need to eat and you can't really access the fat on your body as fuel, it is because you're in the state of being a sugar burner. So you're either a sugar burner or you're a fat burner. And in truth, the, me the majority of us in the United States are sugar burners. Now, the other thing about your hormones is that our hormones can actually adapt to our eating schedule. So what do I mean by this? If you're used to eating, let's say, for example, three meals a day and two snacks, your body is going to get pretty used to that schedule and you will feel hungry at those exact times. Now, ghrelin is the hormone that's responsible for telling you when you're hungry. And so when you feel hungry, you may think to yourself, okay, I need to eat because I'm hungry. Now, what we don't realize is that our hormones can actually get retrained. So for example, if you suddenly started to skip eating breakfast, for example, after perhaps a week or so, your hormones will actually readjust so that you legitimately more than likely won't be hungry for breakfast. Now, this is just an example. I'm not trying to tell you that you should skip breakfast, okay? But essentially, what I am saying is that your body will stop expecting food at that exact same time because you will be retraining your hormones. Your body essentially can get the memo. So I, like I said, I'm just using skipping breakfast as an example, but really it goes for eating at any time of day. So perhaps if you're used to having a snack at 3 p.m. and every day you have a snack at 3 p.m., you might be 
saying, well, I'm legitimately hungry at that time. And what I want you to be aware of is that it's possible that you have also trained your body to expect food at that time. And so when three o'clock rolls around, you will start to feel hunger pangs because your body is expecting food at that time. I'm going to give you a quick example. I remember when I was pregnant with my children and due to the pregnancy, I got used to eating more frequently throughout the day totally normal. And what I would be doing would be eating three meals plus two and potentially three snacks. Um, you know, a snack between breakfast and lunch, a snack between lunch and dinner, and more than likely a snack or some form of dessert after dinner. Okay. So after I had my second child, I was so used to carrying around snacks and eating snacks all the time. And I realized I was having a hard time to lose the baby weight. The catch was that I was legitimately hungry every few hours. And what I later learned was exactly what I'm talking to you about today. That while initially I started eating more frequently due to my pregnancy, what ended up happening was that I continued with that habit well after pregnancy. And essentially I had then trained my body to expect food at certain times. Like I said, it was breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, and then inevitably some kind of an after-dinner snack. But the beautiful thing that I came to learn is that hormones can actually be retrained. So when I learned this, I realized that maybe I didn't actually need to be eating as often. I certainly wasn't eating as often before having children. And it was possible that maybe I didn't actually need to have a snack between, let's say, breakfast and lunch. That's where I started. Now, I didn't do this cold turkey. I didn't just automatically say, okay, I'm going to get rid of this snack, like I did tell you about with this breakfast example. I did this gradually. I pushed my snack a little bit later each day, maybe over the course of a week or so, until essentially it was already lunchtime, and then I would just have lunch. So it didn't take all that long. Like I said, maybe a week or so. Mind you, don't quote me on the exact time frame. And certainly that could be very variable for you. But my point is I was able to get to a place where my body flat out no longer expected the mid-morning snack. So previously I was hungry in the mid-morning, maybe 10, 1030 or so. And over the course of a week, I was able to retrain my body to really be fine with it and not feel hungry in the middle of the morning. Now I'm curious for you, if you're honest with yourself, looking at your average day, are you eating frequently throughout the day? Are you giving your body a chance for the insulin to come down between meals? Remember, once the insulin comes down, you're more likely to be able to access the fat stored on your body so that it can actually be used as fuel. Now, here's another notable and honestly rather amazing difference that you will feel when you go from burning sugar to burning fat. So when you're a sugar burner, hunger is going to feel more intense. It might border on, you know, really intense hunger, um, you know, like that combination of when you're angry and hungry and it becomes hangry. And then, so you eat, 
maybe you feel energized, you might feel great for a period of time, but then inevitably there's going to be that crash where you feel lethargic, tired. Um, you know, for some of us, maybe we feel even headachy. We don't feel so great. And then it's not that long afterwards that you get hungry again, maybe an hour and a half to two hours. In contrast, when you are a fat burner, hunger feels more like a suggestion. There are gentle waves of hunger that come and go. If you are a fat burner, you'll easily be able to go at least three to four hours between meals. When you're a sugar burner, in contrast, you really are feeling the need to eat frequently throughout the day. And instead, when you're a fat burner, you can go at least three to four hours, maybe even longer between meals and be absolutely fine. Now, becoming fat adapted or becoming a fat burner rather takes time. It can take several weeks, two or three weeks on average. And it's normal to not necessarily feel like physically super energetic or really great in the process. That's totally normal. Absolutely nothing is going wrong. Again, that's totally, totally normal. Now, I want you to imagine if you're eating frequently during the day in response to hunger, it's kind of like you're telling your body to expect that a food delivery service is going to show up at your door every few hours. Very convenient, right? Like who wouldn't love that? And then in contrast, if you're making the executive decision that you'd rather use the fat on your body as fuel, you're essentially telling your body, nope, no more deliveries for you. I mean, okay, not at the extreme. I'm not saying you should never eat. I'm saying that, no, you're telling your body, I'm not just going to be having food delivery showing up every couple hours. Instead, I want you to go to the deep freezer and pull out some frozen meat and some vegetables and prepare a meal from scratch, right? Like this is all figuratively, of course. And your body is going to see that process as more cumbersome, right? Like your body wants the path of least resistance. If you're feeding it processed foods and added sugars or really anything for that matter, every couple of hours, it prefers that to you telling your body to go access fat on your body as fuel. Your body might revolt. It might say, no, I'd love you to hit the easy button. I don't want to have to go through the trouble of digging in the deep freezer to make a nice meal right? And that's when you get to tell yourself, it's okay, you're going to be fine, and realize that you absolutely can encourage your body to use fat as a fuel instead of relying on frequent sugar. And so this also comes with acknowledging that it's normal to potentially feel a little bit tired or even lethargic in the process of becoming a fat burner. Totally normal. Okay, so let me be perfectly clear. How do we use all of this information so that we can regulate our hormone, i.e. reduce our insulin, reduce the feeling of potentially being constantly hungry throughout the day, and most importantly, burn fat on our bodies? Number one, I want you to decrease the sugar and potentially processed foods from your diet. Aim to eat more natural whole foods, foods in their natural states, lean meats, vegetables, whole grains, and fruits in moderation, 
all of these and reducing the amount of added sugar and processed food in your diet. This doesn't mean that you can never eat sugar again or that you can't eat processed foods, but just start paying attention to what you're actually eating. The quality of your food does matter. Number two, reduce snacking and potentially eliminate snacking when you aren't actually hungry. When you eliminate snacking, when you're not hungry, especially, you can start to lower your insulin levels between meals so that you can actually use the fat on your body as fuel. If you're noticing that you are actually hungry between meals, then go and look at what you ate in the prior meal and see if you got enough healthy fats, protein, fiber. This is an opportunity to get really honest with yourself about the nutritional value of the foods that you're gravitating towards. It's totally fine to have a snack when you are legitimately hungry, but remember that that is even something that can change over time by you being able to have an influence on when you are hungry during the day. Remember that you can actually modify your level of hunger during the day by the patterns that you establish. You can retrain your hormones. And I want to give you a quick example in terms of, you know, letting the insulin come down between meals. You might have a patient that comes into the office and they are asking you about raisins and if it's okay to eat raisins and if they're bad for your teeth or not. And you may respond to them with something along the lines of, you know, yeah, raisins aren't the best. They're sticky and they contain sugar. However, one thing that you may explain to them is that when you eat, the pH goes down in your mouth. And then if you're, let's say, eating them every 15 minutes or every 30 minutes, right, then you're not going to be able to establish a neutral pH in your mouth after the meal, right? And so the same exact thing actually happens with your insulin, we want the pH in the mouth to normalize. We also want the insulin levels after a meal to come back down as well. So what's better for this patient with this raisin example? To eat one raisin every 15 minutes all day long or to eat a handful of raisins with a meal and call it a day? Well, of course it's better to include the raisins in a meal. And that's the exact same thing that you can do when you train your body to burn fat. If you want to be eating foods with added sugar, it's best to eat them in a meal. That way it's also balanced with the foods, for example, the fats and the proteins that are hopefully in your meal as well. All right. And the number three, make decisions ahead of time. Now, I've talked about this in a prior episode, but basically when we wait until we're hungry to make a decision about what we're going to eat, our primitive brain, it's kind of like that uh, lizard brain, right, gives us a lot of reasons why we should stick with things that have been our go-to foods for years, maybe foods that don't serve us not necessarily the best choices in the moment. So instead, when we plan ahead, we are much more likely to make the best decisions for ourselves. So planning is always going to be helpful. In other words, for example, if you're currently starving at 4 p.m. and you usually grab a sugary coffee drink or some chips and 
I'm not telling you you need to give this up cold turkey, but you might think about this in advance and ask yourself what alternatives might be better. What is a snack that has some healthy fats and perhaps some protein that I can enjoy? Maybe some hard-boiled eggs or an apple with peanut butter, for example. So how do we burn fat? Number one, we reduce the consumption of added sugars and processed foods in our diet. Number two, we reduce or eliminate snacking. And number three, we start making some decisions ahead of time. Look, you do not need to do all of these things all at once. You can pick one and just see if you can start doing it this week. You don't need to be perfect. You truly do not need to be perfect at this. But remember, one of my favorite things to tell all of my weight loss students, and you included, is that weight loss does not happen spontaneously. So unless you start putting some amount of this into action, weight loss will not happen on its own. These three things that we've just talked about is going to really help you to start losing weight. Do not underestimate these three things. You don't need to ban carbs from your life or to start working out like crazy to start seeing results and to start actually burning fat. And one more thing I'm going to add, if you want more information on the role that our hormones play in weight loss, I would highly recommend that you check out the book, The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. He gets into all the nitty gritty, and he also talks about the potential benefits of intermittent fasting, which it's possible you may want to learn a little bit about. I'll definitely be talking about that in a future episode, but for now, I'm going to leave it at that. Okay, all of this talk of hunger and food has now left me pretty hungry and it's almost dinner time. So I'm gonna sign off, I'm gonna go cook dinner and I hope that this episode has been super helpful for you and I will look forward to talking to you all next week. All right, bye. Hey, if you're ready to start taking action towards permanent weight loss, then go download my five secrets where I'll teach you the top five things to lose weight and keep it off without resorting to restrictive diets, deprivation, or even intense exercising. Go to drnatanya.com forward slash start. That's drnatanya.com forward slash start to get started. It's time to make your weight loss goal a reality.